Hour number three, Darren, Donnick, and Chase on this rainy Monday morning. Don't forget, if you're out and about, if the rain continues, which it's supposed to pretty much all day, uh, just if there's any standing water or anything, just be careful out there on the roads. We head east at this time. Every Monday we go to Knoxville. We check in with Vince Ferrara at Vince Sports on Twitter. Give him a follow. He's with WNML, the sports animal there in Knoxville after the Lost down in Tuscaloosa. Vinny, how you doing? Good, gentlemen. How you doing? Good. What's been the reaction today? Well, I, you know, anger at some and pride in others. I think the fans like the fact that the team played hard. They can see some development now that you can point to now three weeks where they've seen some signs of life and some improvement. Um, you know, things obviously to stay close to the number one team there. Yes, you, you want to win the game, but I think there's a lot of fans that still feel like, Hey, you know, we, we can build off of this. And then there's anger at the officiating and at Jared Garantano, uh, for, you know, that fumble at the one yard line that they bring it in after a long drive of eight minutes, you punch that in, you're within eight points on the number one team at their place. With seven minutes to go, so um, yeah, fourteen points. It's a, it's a combination swing. of feelings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that was tough. That was an absolute backbreaker. And of course, Jeremy Pruitt was not happy on the sidelines, and Garantano was coming off. What what did you make of the whole exchange uh, heading to the sidelines? The hell, the face mask tug. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a problem with it, but Pruitt needs to know better. That that's to me how I summarize that. It's not a big deal. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. It's like I think it's kind of like a parent turning turning a kid, turning their shoulder or, or whatever, and saying, "Look at me when I'm talking to you, son." I, I think it was to that like that. I don't think it's a big deal in the in the the actual act, but I, I think Jeremy Pruitt needs to know better in today's climate in today's world that that's going to be looked at wrong. Uh, people are, it's going to be made a big deal of. Uh, and then people are going to have negative things to say about you and your program. So he needs to stay clear from that, even though I don't think the act itself is, you know, is a big deal at all. Another problem with it is not only is the, some of the national reaction, but they're all, that's also going to be another little thing that your rivals and people in recruiting are going to use against you and that he is going to have to try to fight off. I'm not saying it's devastating and something he can't overcome, but when this team this team has plenty of other things they're having a fight off of in, in their recruiting battles right now to try to bring in the elite players that they need to to improve the roster. So now you're adding another little thing out there that he's got to combat. He and his staff have to combat in recruiting. So that's the bottom line of how I look at it. Look, I understand all the people out there, and I get it, uh, especially the older we get. You know, you look at the new generation, you're like, oh, gosh, they're so soft. I mean, I get, I saw all that stuff, and I, and I get it. I do. Because I didn't think it was that big of a deal either. But to your point, on the other hand, I also understand that, and he has to understand that it's 2019, man. We're about to go into 2020, and that's just not whatever we feel, whatever we think, no matter how right we think we are, it's just not how things are done today. It's not how you operate today. And... That's just what it is. You you can kick and scream all you want. I, like I said, I understand their thoughts. It was a quick little tug, 
And there are a lot of people like, get over yourself. This society is so soft and these kids, you know, blah, blah. We all heard it, right? We all, we all saw it and heard it. And I get it. But you also have to know as a head coach in a big Division One school, you have to understand the climate of today. And like you said, it'll be used against him, fairly or unfairly. That's just what it'll be. Right. I don't know how much, you know, ramifications there will be. I don't know how much it truly hurts them. But you just have to know you can't do that today. That's just what it is. No, I agree. It's just something you can you can avoid and still get your point across the same way. And, you know, it's kind of like a, a little bit with the, the head injuries, and that might lead into what you'll probably ask me about next, and Maurer, in that, you know, the, some of the, the, the way he has referenced in the past some of, some of the head injuries, like he just got his bell rung, not necessarily Maurer specifically, but, you know, at other times, it, it comes across as not being sensitive to it, but I, that doesn't mean that he's not sensitive to it. You know what I'm saying? So it's not a guarantee that that he isn't. When we, you saw a shot of him talking about Brian Maurer when he came out of the tent uh, in that Alabama game, and basically he was telling them, you're done, son. So I, I, it's not – that's just one of those things where you're learning on your job. It's not that he's not sensitive to it. It's you don't want to give people – the window to interpret that you aren't. So, yeah. um, you know, it's just uh, one of those things is, you know, at some point, we'll, you know, we'll see if, if if that changes or maybe he's not worried about it. Uh, but, you know, winning winning can flush that. Losing, it surfaces. It compounds it. Is. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah. Good point. What What do you think he – I mean, he, he was obviously upset over the result, right? We know, it's like we just described. It was a 14-point swing. It's a critical, critical play in the game. But – that there seemed to be a little bit extra layer to it. Do you think Garantano changed the play? I mean, what what do you think? It seemed like there was a little extra oomph to his anger. Yeah, I'm glad you you asked me that because it absolutely I think he changed the play, and we have heard that he that Garantano has unsuccessfully changed plays at times this year to plays that didn't work out or were the wrong plays. Then Brian Greasy, during the broadcast, when I went back and watched it, he mentioned early when Garantano had come into the game that, you know, look, he's a good kid, blah, 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 but at times he has changed plays to the wrong ones, and they haven't worked out. And then later in the game, in that situation, you saw it again. The blocking scheme tells you exactly what the play was supposed to be, and it wasn't blocked like it was a quarterback sneak. They ran a quarterback sneak earlier in the game and it was blocked much differently when uh, when Maurer got in. And and then the you see the players reaction like what just happened. So I do think that even if Garantano didn't audible to tell everyone else what the play was going to be, I think he might have just done it himself thinking, "Hey, I can I'm going to punch this in and and we're going to get to within eight points." And I think that's why Pruitt responded the way he did. When Pruitt was asked about the play again for clarification today during his press conference, he said, look, we all know what happened, right? He didn't come out and say he ran his own play, but that to me tells me he ran his own play. And unfortunately, it, it was the wrong, again, it was the wrong play, and I think it was, it was hero ball from Jarrett. And it, it was it, if they punch that in, he can, and they, 
end up close or who knows when in the game. If you just run the right play and they get that in, he could have still been the hero without necessarily having to to match Maller in touchdown runs and quarterback sneaks. I don't know what he was thinking in that situation, but it was the wrong decision. It didn't work out. And that's, I think, why there was that kind of, of reaction, because he did his own thing when they had driven eight minutes, uh, 14 plays, eight, 66 yards and eight minutes to get in position to get within a score on the road of the number one team in the country, and then you go and do your own thing. Uh, that was that was just very difficult for everybody to swallow, and that's one of the biggest things that's drawn reactions today. What do you think is the fallout from all this? Or is there one? Well, he didn't. Well, it, it's it's that I don't know that he's going to play. That's what um, I'm getting at. And, is is this is yeah. this the beginning of the end? Well, it could be. Now Pruitt today, even though he he didn't he he didn't completely take uh, Garantano off the hook in terms of of his mistakes, but he did defend him. He said he still he said he believes in him. He said they have a relationship and he's going to coach him hard. Um, like he coaches uh, all the players hard, but you know he complimented some of his throws in the pocket, and 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 he he said he he believes he has what it takes. He just needs to be more consistent so he can play at a higher level. Um, maybe that's just him taking the high road and not totally throwing the kid under the bus. But J.T. Shrout played after that. And he basically said when he was asked about Maurer's status and if if it's not Maurer this Saturday in South Carolina, would it be Garantano or Shrout? And he basically said, you know, we'll, we'll see how the week goes. Um, so I, that to me, when it's clearly been Garantano before, tells me that it could very well be JT Shrout. We'll see. Just uh, I think it, a part of it is going to depend on how ready Shrout is. If he's not ready and he – can potentially make more mistakes in their eyes as Garantano than they may have to may have to ride the wave with Garantano. But I, I think uh, there's a good chance you could see them still go another route uh, until you know. It, and it's a pra- It's not just the the practices; it's the games. So that's why I have a hard time making a decision off of practice because Garantano practices well. It's those in-game decisions that crush him. And so I don't know that you can fully judge off of practice for Garantano. You have to judge and make a judgment off of Shrout, and it could very well be the redshirt freshman if Maurer can go, which I would be surprised if he does with now concussions in two consecutive weeks. All right, more with Vince Ferrara on the other side, the sports animal in Knoxville, WNML, at Vince Sports on Twitter. More discussion with him next on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Talking to Vince Ferrara, WNML over in Knoxville. We'll get back to the Titans at the bottom of the hour. Mike Vrabel will have his press conference. We'll monitor that, and we will play that for you before the show is over. Vince, let's talk about South Carolina for a moment, the, uh, the opponent coming up. Very interesting team to follow. All of the issues they had early in the season. Then they get the huge win over Georgia. And then last week, they're right in the game. They have the lead against Florida. They're playing at home where they seem to be a much better team. They had a controversial call go against them late in the game where Will Muschamp just went nuts on the sideline. He's a hothead to begin with, and he probably had every right to be upset. Sort of an offensive pick play that allows Florida to walk into the end zone and sort of put the game away. 
But how do you think the matchup has gone is going? Because South Carolina has urgency for this game. They cannot afford to overlook Tennessee in any way, because for them to stay on schedule and stay on par with with their expectations, this is a massive game for them. No doubt, I think they're a very good team that's had that has a extremely difficult schedule, one of the toughest schedules in the country in the preseason. Looking at the you know the top three ranked teams uh, in the country on their schedule, so um, I, I wanted to believe in them in terms of record more during the before the season than I um, than I allowed myself to just because of the difficulty, the grind. Of that schedule, that it would take a toll on them, and they've actually played very well without Jake Bentley uh, overall with Ryan Holinsky, and then even that Georgia game, he went down. They still overcame that, and he had some critical mistakes in that game, but then he made some plays also. Um, the key for them is that they are really good on the defensive line. Pruitt even today admitted that you know they might have the best defensive line that they've seen all year, and that would include Alabama. Um, and so I, I think that's what gives them a chance is they're better uh, on defense. They have big, physical, really good corners. Um, and uh, they're, they now have, uh, with Rico Dowdle and Tavian Feaster, the Clemson transfer, they can run the football. And as Pruitt mentioned, referenced it today, described them as stubborn running the football. And that helps them not make as many mistakes on offense, even though that still happens some. You know, South Carolina also has something in common with Tennessee in that you know, their fans today are, are still stewing over the officiating. Because that was the one call that you, you referenced, Willie, but there was others. I mean, there was PIs, there was holds down the field on, a, on a, the big Piran run. Uh, so there is just a lot of things in that game that South Carolina feels like they got the short end of the stick on. And just like Tennessee, there's a bunch of other plays in that game with Alabama that the fans are, are talking about. Did you see Lane Kiffin's uh, tweet? Well, how's that? I was going to say, how's that SEC officiating tweet uh, Twitter handle that we were all talking about at SEC Media Days? How are they doing? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I hadn't Max seen Harris them. Max is not happy script. with it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, there was only one play that they were that I saw a reaction from them. There might be more. I hadn't, I hadn't fully looked, but – I really didn't get the description of what they were talking about. Like they saw a hand on a Tennessee receiver in the end zone, and they were like, well, you can't tell which arm that is wrapped around the receiver. Well, it's not his own. Who <laughs> is it? <laughs> so I really didn't understand the, the, uh, the, the one of the defenses to a, a potential P.I. call on Alabama. So, um, yeah, it, I don't know that that's really done any good, but, you know, Willie, as you kind of, uh, you know, I think inferred, we really didn't – expect that to make any sort of difference in the public eye anyway Vince you were alluding to it of just how important this game against South Carolina will be for Tennessee but if you look at the rest of the schedule I think the way they've played lately it you can say that they definitely have a chance in all five of those games especially after what I saw Missouri do against Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt that if they catch that Missouri team Tennessee could have a chance which if they win just get four wins, I mean, they're bowl eligible. So that changes the whole season. So how much uh, of an emphasis has has uh, Jeremy Pruitt put on of just trying to get some momentum going and take that game to game? Well, I, I think what's, what's encouraging for Tennessee fans is that they took 
them playing Georgia well in the first half, and it looks like they built off of it to get a win over Mississippi State. And then they took what they did against Mississippi State, and they were able to compete on the road. You know, at a really good Alabama team. Now, there's there's obviously factors that played in into that. Tua getting hurt. Uh, then, and I know Tennessee fans counter will. Brian Maurer got hurt too. Um, and then also, I, I think Tennessee was very successful in sh- shortening the game and then tackling the open field and not give up those big run after catch plays that Alabama just devastates you on. So they shortened the game and they were able to limit those big plays. And Alabama was working on their running game too. So I think that played into it. But nonetheless, you can still build. They built off of it and they were better than I think a lot of people thought in that game. So now we've seen a little bit of a trend developing, and they're getting better at the line of scrimmage in each and every game. You can point to that. And they're probably very well connected, I would I would say. Uh, so I think that's why you can feel like, hey, Tennessee can beat anybody remaining on their schedule. I would not have given them much of a chance at Missouri going into this past weekend, Chase, like you mentioned, because of what Missouri did. And because of of the the way Tennessee looked better and and played against Alabama, so all those games are on the table. the The, the caveat is is what's the quarterback situation like for Tennessee? Right. With Brian Maurer, then yeah, I I might pick Tennessee to win more games than lose. Without Brian Maurer, not having seen J T. Stroud for any extended time, who knows? Maybe he'll he'll have similar results than to Maurer, or maybe he'll make mistakes like Garantano has at times. Um, but if it's Garantano, if it's not Maurer, I think it's going to be difficult for them. And and so that that's what kind of throws in the wild card. And if Maurer doesn't play, then when does he play? So that that's kind of the, the wild card and, and where some of the frustration is with, with Tennessee fans is that we finally got something going. We finally found a quarterback. Now we don't know if he's going to be able to play or not. And that's very unfortunate. Maurer has made a big difference with this team, just the way he plays free and confident, gunslinger. He makes mistakes. There, that still happens. But, man, he gives them more of a chance than, than, honestly, we saw from Garantano before, even though Garantano's got a lot more experience. So what uh, I know this may not be the, the best week to gauge what Alabama is with Tua getting hurt and, and uh, missing some of the game, but what were your impressions of Alabama? Well, I thought going into this past weekend that LSU was going to beat them when they when they played later this year, and I didn't see anything to change my mind after this weekend. So I, I just think Alabama is going to have a difficult time with LSU in their passing game, and Alabama just does not have enough difference makers at the line of scrimmage. I think to make Joe Burrow uncomfortable enough to take them out of that pass game at the line of scrimmage. So I, I, I think Alabama, and here's another problem for Alabama, is they're still one of the best teams in the country. I, I, I believe that. But I think because the, the Ohio States, the Oklahomas, and the Clemsons, because they, they don't have enough challenges on their schedule, the canner will beat them. And because there's, a, I think, a really good chance that all those teams stay undefeated, I think the SEC champ gets gets in with those other three undefeated. And then the loser of that game, if it's a good close game, LSU and Alabama, they we could all think that, man, that's still one of the best four teams in the country, and they still might not get into the playoff because those other three conference champs, flawed or not, 
I think, and the, because of the brands, because of who they are, um, and because they'll blow a lot of teams out, I still think those others would, would get in and, in that type of scenario. We'll see. It could change, but that's the way I look at it now. Vince, appreciate it as always. All right, guys. You have a great appreciate week. All right, you do the same. Always good to talk to you guys. All right, Vince Ferrara, WNML, there in Knoxville, at Vince Sports on Twitter. Willie, why don't you give us a word about Lee Company? All right. Glad to give you a word about Lee Company. Give them a call at 567-1000 and ask about this. I know the weather has gotten to a point where there have been some nights where you probably kicked on the heat. I know we did a few times. If you haven't had it checked or you notice it hasn't been running efficiently, call that number for Lee Company, 567-1000. Have them come out and check the heat and then ask them about the home maintenance plan because then you get the four annual checkups. They'll be calling you. They'll keep you on top of things. They'll give you those annual checkups, and you get them for free with your monthly fee, which is a very small fee, 8 $9 a month. In exchange for that, you get the free yearly checkups on your heating, your cooling, your plumbing system, and your electrical system. And if there's anything that needs fixing, you will get discounts on those repairs. It's a great system. It's worked for us in our house and we recommend it to you as well. It's Lee Company, 567-1000. They're a big sponsor of the Nashville Predators. You'll see their display all around Bridgestone Arena tomorrow if you're going to the Predators and the Ducks game. 567-1000 for Lee Company, or go online at leecompany.com. Don't forget to listen. Your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Nashville SC at First Tennessee Park for the first round of the USL playoffs this Saturday night. Tickets are now available for purchase at NashvilleSC.com. They've been in the league for two years, and they've been in the playoffs for two years. So good job by Gary Smith and crew as they get geared up for their first round of their playoffs, USL playoffs, this Saturday night. So we will have tickets to give away at some point. Be listening today. In just a moment, we will uh, head over to St. Thomas Sports Park whenever the head coach, Mike Vrabel, Gets to the podium to discuss yesterday's 23-20 victory over the Chargers. They uh, up their record to now three and four. Jacksonville's three and four. Indy's four and two, and the Texans are four and three in division play. And it was certainly a wild and wacky game, as we've discussed most of today. But nonetheless, most of the times when these games play out like that, the Titans have been on the short end of the stick. That was not the case yesterday. They actually found a way, a big play. As we went through with Teron Davenport earlier, Jeffrey Simmons blowing up his guy, which created a lane for Wesley Woodyard and Rashawn Evans to do their thing. And then Jarrell Casey to recover it. And um, next thing you know, the Titans ran off the field with a victory. I'm curious about the tone of this press conference we're going to hear. It should be a lot more optimistic. I am also curious, though, because you, you tend to move on from the, the sticky things when you win especially from the question askers. But I still do wonder. I, I'm very curious about the system, the, the chain of command, the decision-making process with when to challenge, when not yeah. to challenge, when to go for it, when not to go for it. It's been a constant theme. Uh, as we said, I think the fourth and one decision to go for it is a very 50-50. There's a great argument for either side. I don't really mind the decision at all. I am very puzzled as to why you wouldn't challenge uh, on the spot, as we've discussed backwards and forwards, 
Because and you've I, already gambled at that point. That, right. That's what I was it, saying but, earlier. But also, I, I just would love to know more, and I don't know if they would be willing to share it or not, but the communication. Who is in yeah. Mike Vrabel's ear saying, I don't have a good look. I've looked at it backwards and forwards. This one you had time. So let's, let's see what he says. All right, let's head over there. Let's hear from the head coach, Mike Vrabel. Well, I mean, I think that's always a huge part of what you do. I mean, you try to practice, and, you know, we did a lot of good things yesterday, and you, you hope to build on it and then fix the things that we didn't do well um, and, and keep moving. That's what this league's about. And, you know, again, we talk about what momentum. Momentum's created throughout the week, um, and hopefully you can you know, carry over a lot of those positive things and then continue to finish uh, and clean up those things later in the week going into the game make some positive plays on all three phases, and then you know, make adjustments throughout the game. How frustrating are the penalties? I mean, this is a team, you know, this wasn't an issue pretty much last year. Uh, seven, is that a number that uh, needs to improve, or are you okay with ones you, that were called yesterday? I mean, I think we'd obviously like to play a game penalty-free, um, knowing that's not going to happen. Um, you know, I'm trying to think through. You know, defensive holding, you know, PI with a big receiver and a, you know, it's kind of a, a pushing, shoving match. You know, two guys six yards from the from the play don't see it as PI. A guy thirty yards away sees it as PI, calls it PI. Um, but you know, those aren't some of those we can control. Some of them we can't. Still have to understand and play with the fundamentals. Uh, when you get your hands outside and you're that's going to be a penalty. You know, got to coach um, you know, Janu up better. He's got to execute better and, and get his hands inside. Right, when, you know, I'm just trying to think about the penalties here since you asked me. When you, uh, when you watched the final play that resulted in the strip and the recovery, what, what did you see, I guess, from penetration up front and just across the board on that play? Saw a great effort, great effort by 11 guys that were determined uh, to make a play. Saw so a player playing his first NFL game, you know, knock a guy back uh, two yards, create penetration. So Wood get his hand on the ball and us able to finish it. What kind of explanation did they give you when you were discussing the play clock scenario after after the fake punt where it seemed like they didn't know what was going on? Well, I think we have to be careful there. Um, we have to assume that we're going to convert, and that's the thing. And so in the excitement of, of gaining you know, a, a huge play, great, great execution by the players, <clears throat> that we're really ready to go. That, that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to you know, we've got 11 guys um, 60 yards from our line of scrimmage, or excuse me, our sideline, that are excited. And they, they got to get off the field. And we got to get the offense on the field to, to run a play. No different than we're trying to celebrate touchdowns, um, which is something that I think is important that we go celebrate them. I mean, hell, we haven't had that many. And so knowing that we're going to have to kick an extra point, that we also um, find a way to get back there and, and make sure that we're ready to go for the extra point. That, that's really what that comes down to. Thrown a pass and the punt team now caught one. Is is he unusual in his in the ability, the way you're able to use him in those situations? I think that you'd like to try to form a team with as many athletes that you possibly can. 
you know, we evaluate players. There's guys that have um, linear speed, power, um, that may not be fluid athletes, but they're, they're great football players. Um, I've coached them. Um, I think I, we can identify them. And there's also guys that are athletes. That if you kind of put them in space or you put them on a basketball court, uh, they can kind of move around um, and, and find open spaces. They, they can catch. They don't, uh, you know, they're not real nervous when the ball comes to them. They got soft hands, whatever it may be. Uh, they're probably good at a bunch of sports. Um, because when you get out there and you start playing, I think that's the versatility where, you know, guys can come down and they can tackle, they can blitz, they can, you know, their, their, their movements on a football field. And I think KB is an, would fall into that category of an athletic player. Similar to that, that last uh, play when you mentioned uh, Jeffrey Simmons, did you see some evidence of him being able to impact, you know, more than just the guy he was going up against? Was he able to impact players around him uh, as well? Um, yeah, I mean, I think guys are, you know, you're always excited to play with guys that, um, you know, give you a chance to win that can, you know, that can dominate, that are you know, good at their position and, you know, happy for Jeff, happy for the entire team. But that was, um, it's cool for him to play in his first game and, and be able to contribute the way he did and see some of the stuff that we had worked on, um, while he was coming back from his rehab. Um, and again, it was a big decision for Jeff. I think that. Um, it's cool for me to be able to sit there on um, Saturday morning and, and have him come in and say, you know, coach, I'm, I'm ready. You know, I'm, I'm confident um, in, in being able to go and play in the game because it was up to him. You know what I mean? It's like, Jeff, you just have to tell me you're cleared medically. You have to tell us that you have the confidence uh, to go out there and play. And, and when you tell us that, that's, that's what we're going to do. I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, we're two and four. Um, you know, you're playing. Would never do that. Would never do that. Would never want anybody to do that to my son. Um, and he came in, and it was a cool thing. He was, he was emotional to be able to, to recognize that dream and playing in the National Football League. Did you have a ballpark idea of snaps for him, or did you just kind of play out the, the way? Yeah, I think that we wanted to try to keep it right where it was. Um, would, would like to continue to, to look to increase that uh, based on how he feels. Um, you know, and, and the more that the players can handle, uh, the more that we'll try to give them. As you go through the season with your ups and downs, it looks like Derrick Henry has been very consistent for you in what he's delivering each and every week. Is that something you know you're going to get and you bank on each week now because yeah. he's hit that level of consistency? He has. He's running hard. I mean, we talked about one of the keys, a huge key to the game offensively was our ability to, to break some tackles and make people miss. You know, he did that for us. He, he ran hard, um, you know, tossed it to him on the, on the touchdown and you know, made the post safety miss. Guy we can't, you know, can't block. Um, so he's, he's running hard and uh, certainly giving us a chance. Did, did you, were you fortunate that you got a good angle on the, on the fumble at the end? And, and if they would not have had a definitive angle, what would have happened? I mean, why, why did the clock stop? And would they potentially have had a chance? There's a lot, a lot of questions, you know, a lot of questions coming down a stretch there. Yeah. And again, the, going back to the decision, you know, I know you guys are all big on decisions, right, Eric? Yeah. Um, is, do, do you let them score? Do you have some timeouts? You, 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 
go back, I go back to the Saints, six seconds left, one timeout, and how critical that one timeout was for them to be able to throw the football and, and, and kick a field goal. So you're always thinking about, hey, do I, you know, trying to have these timeouts. Then when they run it or they get the penalty, and then that kind of throws that off, and it's a 10-second runoff, and I'm like, okay. But then when they start to decide to run it, I'm like, well, maybe we just keep stopping them. They haven't run the ball very well, and we're, we're doing okay. Don't let, let's take the 10-second runoff, start the clock, and see if they could potentially you know, and not timeouts. Then when they run it or they get the penalty, and then that kind of throws that off, and it's a 10-second runoff, and I'm like, okay. But then when they start to decide to run it, I'm like, well, maybe we just keep stopping them. They haven't run the ball very well, and we're, we're doing okay. Don't, let, let's take the 10-second runoff, start the clock, and see if they could potentially you know, get in a pile and not be able to spike it and kick a field goal or whatever they're going to do, kind of keep the pressure on them um, at that point in time. So – you asked me about the last play. We see the ball out. See Jarrell with the ball. I think they, they roll him down, but I think they stopped the clock. My guess is because they buzzed down from upstairs in a matter of two or three seconds. I, I don't know because that's really the only thing that would stop it at that point in time um, would be that they buzzed it from upstairs. I saw them stop it at, at seven seconds. They tell me they're looking at the play. I ask them what the scenarios would be, how much time would they have if they gave them the ball back. They said that there would be five seconds after the 10-second runoff. They would walk in, walk away, start it, and at that point in time, the Chargers would have a decision to make whether they were going to hand it off, throw it in the end zone, or clock it yeah. on third down, if that helps. Did you, did you ever consider letting them score? Um, I'd say that that was one of the decisions that that was one of the choices. Um, you know, then the, then the, the, the false start, the, the penalty back again, and then when they were running it, I, that, when I decided that, I thought we could stop them if they were going to try to run it in there. Do you think your defenders would have, would have rioted it if you'd have told them to let them score? Um, you know, I, I think that that's something that, as a player, there's 160 plays. There's 160 decisions, okay? And you know, we, we try to go with the one that we think is going to help, help us win the game. Um, the players executed um, just like they did when we called a fake punt. You know, the players executed it. Um, we weren't able to execute on fourth and two inches. Now, those are decisions that, um, to me, for, you know, that, that, that was the easiest decision of the season. Have, was to go for it. You have analytics on that. It's the, on the fake punt. No, on the. On the I liked it. I liked how they lined up. I liked how Kevin caught it all week in practice. Which on, one? On the fourth down. The sneak. The sneak. Yeah, that, that was. I wouldn't need analytics. Neither should you. Needed two inches. Uh, Philip Rivers would have had more than ample time. Uh, yeah, that wasn't. That was not it. Go ahead, Eric. What, what went into the challenge earlier in the game? And does that you know, I, again, you, you kind of get, you know, you fall into this trap of how many of these guys are going to drag their feet on the sidelines, on the same sidelines. And, again, I'm actually kicking myself because I knew that Keenan Allen got his foot down. It's like watching Hopkins for four or five years in Houston. And you're like, there's no way he got his foot down. 
these guys are great players, and they get their foot down. Um, you know, as far as challenging the spot, I, I, I talk to Al as much as Al can, can really stand talking to me because I need to know what exactly he's thinking and Russell York in New York when they go through a challenge process because it's not how we see it. It's not how I see it. It's how they see it. And I'll tell you that if they can't see the football uh, on, the, on the spots, they're, they're next to impossible to get. And so the spot challenges that we've seen, the few that have been reversed, just like with Dalvin Cook a few weeks ago, he was kind of in the open field. There was one tackler on him. He reaches the ball, and then his knee goes down. You can clearly see the ball. You can clearly see the knee. When you have 20 people in there uh, on a sneak and you can't see the football, that's when Al tells you, if I can't see the football, I, I can't overturn whatever they call it on the field. So that's just, that, that's just what our process is, the communication uh, as we look to challenge plays. Um, just like we've had conversations about the OPI and DPI and everybody's like, why isn't he challenging them? Right? Like, how's that worked out? They're not picking them up. And you guys, everybody thought about four weeks ago that they were going to pick them up. They're not. Punts him down inside the ten. There, though, you still think that? I, I just think that the guy been. across the field, right? If you look back at really that drive, four plays, what I felt like was our worst defensive series of the year. Um, we're going to pick up that first down. We, we are. We're, we're going to execute it better. We're going to coach it better. Um, and and that's that's just really what we're going to do. And that was the decision. It was Philip Rivers. Um, with a lot of time to come down there and, and, and tie the game or, or score a touchdown. And that's why I made the decision. I feel like you spent a lot of time talking about Corey Davis owning the football. Yeah. Um, was this game as good as he I, and A.J. Bennett? Yeah, the there were some really cool shots of watching on film of these guys going and tacking the football. The quarterback throwing it um, you know, into tight coverage. You know, There's tight match coverage. And I felt like really Corey – took that to heart of going and attacking the football. Um, and, and we're going to need that. You know, those guys, Corey and AJ, I mean, they're big players. They got strong hands, but they're not like blocks. They got great hands and they're strong hands. They're physical uh, and they can catch those contested passes. And, uh, you know, I thought Hump worked. I thought Furt gave us a little spark. I thought Janu, I mean, what the way Janu caught the football yesterday, I mean, the first play of the game, a back shoulder, he's attacking the football, not catching it behind his body, catching it out in front of his eyes. Those are all the things that we've practiced, talked about, showed him. You know, we showed him the, you know, if you look back to the Rams and the Seattle game, you know, the reason that that interception occurred at the end of the game was there was a player for the Rams that tried to catch a slant like this behind his eyes, hits his hands, and the safety catches it. And so when we show him that the next day, we say, why do we want to catch the ball out in front of our eyes? We don't want to let it cross our vision. This is why. And there was a lot of great examples of those guys going and attacking the football yesterday, catching it with their hands, not letting it get into their body. That was really cool to see. We got a lot of guys involved in the passing game. What did Ryan give you yesterday that maybe you didn't have the first six weeks? Well, I'll just touch on what Ryan did yesterday. We're not going to go back and revisit you know, the first six weeks. That doesn't. That doesn't help us, you know, going forward or wasn't going to help us yesterday. But, 
you know, I think he was decisive. It wasn't perfect, but, you know, he trusted him. He moved it around. He tried, you know, let the play develop. He, let, he saw some guys, um, you know, first read, second read. Um, so, again, I thought that, you know, again, go back to Dennis Kelly and, and Jamil <laughs> stepping in there and doing a great job. You know, the line, you know, protected. I thought we mixed up, you know, what we were calling. Either because of arm strength or maybe even personality, is more willing to to take a chance to throw into the tight windows. I I think that Ryan, you know, took it took advantage of the opportunity. Um, he he was excited uh, to be able to lead a an offensive football team and a football team yesterday. Um, again, you looked at the timing of Corey's touchdown. It was decisive. It was in a tight window, and there was a lot of those, John. Um, really cool to see Tajay. You know, that's when you, when you run a guy along the back line, you know, he's not the the primary read. That you're going to get to that guy. Um, you know, for whatever reason, they dropped nine guys out of there. Ryan stayed in the pocket, and 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 then was able to see Tajay and, and throw it over. You know, a couple set of set of hands. So that was was happy for Tajay. A.J. Brown, you know, and the way he catches the ball across the middle against the yak, is that something that his acceleration through the catch, is that something that stands out to you? Well, I think that to be able to run through the catch and not stop or jump, sometimes guys, you know, leave their feet to catch a ball that they don't have to jump for. Um, but he's strong. I mean, he's a, he's a powerful runner um, with the ball in his hands. And, you know, that was a key to the game was being able to, to catch it and either run with it, but you know, be able to break some tackles and, and make some plays after we got the ball in our hand. It's been quite a few years where, uh, in the league where most teams, if they had to go to their backup, have been doomed at quarterback. This year, there's been a lot of success around the league. You've seen two of them in, in Brissett, who wasn't going to be a starter, and Minshew. And now you've gotten success with your own backup. Do well, you think something's changed in the league to allow for that? Um, I just think that there's probably an understanding through you know, the organizations of how critical that position is um, and, and really kind of how fine of a line maybe um, some of those players are. Um, you know, we're, we're glad that Ryan's here. We're, we're happy that uh, he played a heck of a game yesterday. You know, I'm not really sure. You know, what, you know, looks like Jacoby settling in pretty well through four touchdown passes yesterday. You know, Nick Foles has done it before he be, went to Jacksonville. You know, Tom Brady did it you know, a long time ago in New England. It's about taking advantage of your opportunities in this league, however they come through, uh, however they put you up there. When you get in there, taking advantage of it, whether that be Dennis Kelly yesterday, LaShawn Sims, who went in there and covered um, Allen on a double move when the, the quarterback was going to him the entire time. Uh, Sims was all over it. Huge play. Um, kicker going in there, making a kick. It wasn't on a team a couple weeks ago. That, that, that's what this league's about. It's going in there and take advantage of the opportunity. Would you on that list too? For, for oh, would, yeah. I mean, he just is so, you know, I mean, that's kind of what he's been. And, you know, last week and this week. And, you know, that's, I, I, I don't really point him out because, again, I, we look at him as a, 
you know, third starter. He's been in there a bunch, and, and we're just thankful for his leadership, his production, um, his toughness, and what he brings to it. How much progress is Sucker making behind the scenes, and do you anticipate him being available for you at some point? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think that, um, you know, we're just – I think one thing Ryan's working on is probably, you know, his routine and when he kicks um, – you know, having never kicked, but I, I would imagine it's a lot like a pitcher. Uh, when you throw, it's not like you come back. You know, you have a routine until you come back and kick again. I mean, that's a lot of stress um, on a leg and how it, the leg speed and the impact of a ball and all that other stuff. So you know, they have a routine. These guys have a very spef- specific routine about how they come back after they kick. And so one thing we asked Ryan to do yesterday was to go through a – kicking workout just like he would in a game you know we're, we're trying to get him you know back and he can do all those things on his own um as part of his rehab and so check in here with him today see how that's coming as far as the how he feels today and then we'll reevaluate him um and when he decides to kick again there you go we want you to hear some of mike vrabel's press conference live today after the 23 20 victory Over the Chargers, that'll close the book on the third hour, but we will come back and kick off the final hour with a discussion on what you just heard. That's next on Darren, Donnick, and Chase, ESPN 1025 The Game.